In this episode, we complete our Catherine Heigl trilogy by discussing killers. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Lou Fernandez. Yes, uh, Elliot. Elliot's New Year's resolution was apparently not to uh, consider the fans and what the fans want and their emotions. I thought the fans wanted Lou Fernandez to do a guest spot. Well, no, the fans do want that. But Elliot, apparently, like he didn't care enough to fight Lou for his regular yeah. slot. He actually didn't respond to my challenge email at all. Right. You're sort of like a you're like an Uva Bull. Like you knew that Elliot had been criticizing you, and so you challenged him to a boxing That's right. Match. I did. I challenged him to some fisticuffs, bare knuckle. I don't believe in uh, just. Um, I want it to be real. Yeah, you want to you want to feel their skin on your skin. That's right, and not no homo. Let the love begin. <laughs> now, you may you fans may remember Lou from uh, Jesus. Why can't I even remember <laughs> Fre- Alien vs Predator? Predator? I got Predator it. Two. AVP yeah. Requiem. That's right. Uh, he was on this show before. Uh, you also may know him from his much more popular than our podcast <laughs> podcast, Lou Reads the Internet. For, for you. you. That's yeah. right. And uh, you may recognize his dulcet tones from several uh, advertisements. That's right. I I did some commercials for Cuisinart and the New York Times. Yeah. That's awesome. You can even hear the warmth in his voice. I know. I want to. I want to buy a Cuisinart. Right here. now, I'm feeling like uh, I'm in my place in my voiceover career where I need to go and live on the streets for ten years. Yes. And be yeah. discovered. Topical. And, and, topical. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Dating uh, our podcast. Um. Speaking of living on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. The killers. <laughs> Not really. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand yeah, how segways works. work. I'm not sure. Well, you stand on it idea. and then you drive with your hands. <laughs> okay. No. There's a gyroscope. I understand. I had the, yep. The, the guy who the company fell off that cliff. What the gyrobot? Yeah. Uh, no, the owner of the company. Oh, okay. Wait, gyroscopes? What are we talking about? We're talking. Yeah, we're the talking segway. about gyromite. The NES. Game. Yeah, gyrobot. The little robot yeah. that helps you play the game. Sure. I'm not familiar with this. <laughs> yeah, it was that old Nintendo game. The original game. Nintendo system came not only with the blaster, but also with a robot that had a gyroscope in it. It, it was, was an additional like, peripheral. Uh, maybe two games were made. That and Gyromite was one of those two games. Yeah. So that's I really I feel like Nintendo I need to see history. this now. Yeah. Just you I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at it right now. You're in a, yeah, um, I mean, I hope not. Please You're remind like a computer me about guy, that. too. And you don't, you don't, like you don't a techie? So we, I like have a, tech, a computer. A freak? Mm-hmm. A gleek? Would you um, <laughs> enjoy the television program Glee? No, yes, no. But Lou does a series of videos called Mac Tips. That's right. I also have a series of videos where I give unhelpful, uh, and not incorrect, but just unhelpful and retarded sounding Mac advice. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that about the TV show Glee too? Or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's called Gleek, gleek Tips. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually the very uh, end of a Gleek's penis. Is a Gleek tip. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yep. Elliot's not here, so I can break out uh, Blue Dan. 
<laughs> Blue Dan is here. Yeah. Nice. Um, we watched a movie called Killers. Sure. The Killers? Is not this the, the one killers, where uh, no. Chow Yun-Fat gets no. his eyeball shot out? And it's also not a black and white uh, film noir movie. It's not The Killing. No. Uh, the Kubrick film. Um, wait, was that the Kubrick film? I don't even know. I don't know. No, it's no that here. does sound. No, the yeah, Killing yeah. is a Kubrick. There were like an old, there was an old, The, the Killers was the, the killers. Like, boring. Let's it was get used into the in movie, a, guys. It was used in a Dead Men Don't Wear Plan, I believe. They used mm. some of that footage in there. What? Um, yeah, this is a movie with uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh, and Heigl. Yeah, pronounce Heigl. it. Okay, Heigl. Man, she is like an all star. I think this is we've done more Catherine Heigl vehicles than any well, other actress. Yeah, she's she's the female Gerard Butler, which I guess makes wow the awful, tr- the, uh, the awful truth. No, that's the Cary Grant movie. The, the uh, ugly, ugly truth. So, uh, from my understanding, film, this movie yes by default. This movie, The uh, Killers, takes place, you know, shortly after the end of The Ugly Truth. Right. Um, okay. When Catherine Heigl's dating Gerard Butler and they totally break up because mm-hmm. he's a jerk. You know, because she's not spontaneous enough. I mean, right. well, what a bitch a, this one. He's a Neanderthal. Yeah. He's <laughs> well, he's so... I didn't see he's this He's so movie. masculine. Mm-hmm. But so is he a so killer Cowley. in that movie too? He's kind of like he's kind of like Wolverine in the X Men. Uh, speaking of which, I was on the street today, guys. <laughs> and, wow! And uh, nice uh, yeah. okay, sure. <laughs> and there was this awesome. Uh, I passed a minivan that had the license plate that said Wolverine. miniature van. Yeah, a minivan. Oh, wow. uh, and the <laughs> the license plate said Wolverine, but instead of a I, it was a one. Uh, wow. but, so that means a, someone has a badass minivan, right? Someone has Wolverine. <laughs> that just means, yeah. Someone kidnapped Wolverine? No, no, no. That someone actually has the whole word if they had to oh. replace the one. I yeah. See. Uh, or is, maybe they're who just. Who is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was. I, I like to think that, you know, that Wolverine <laughs> that would ride Wolverine. around in a badass uh, minivan. <laughs> Oh, let's go, let's go back to the movie. I'm sorry for that. Um, yeah, it's a movie. Um, so it's the sequel to The Ugly Truth is what you're saying. <laughs> I think you I said that. I, no, okay. And, and uh, they're broken. Uh, and Catherine Heigl just got dumped and she goes to. She's on a trip with her parents. To nice. 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 To nice okay. France. Nice France. Mm-hmm. With her folks. Her folks, Tom Selleck and Catherine O'Hara. But she doesn't want anyone to know that she's there Where with her I parents. Where would I know them from? You may know uh, Tom Selleck from the popular uh, 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 detective show, Magnum P.I. Oh, okay. And currently uh, Blue Blood, is that right? Mm-hmm. That t- He's in the, the Blue Bloods program, which I don't know whether it's still there Is that like not. True Bloods? Uh, <laughs> Except Vampire Cops. Yeah. I'll watch it. A Dynasty of Vampire Cops. I'll watch anything with vampires in it. Um, and you may know Miss Catherine O'Hara from uh, SCTV, the nope. Canadian sketch show, mm, or a Mighty Wind, the Mom in Home Alone, mm. very popular film. Nope, I'm but, led to believe. But she's yeah. also in all of those uh, Christopher Guest films. Christopher Guest films, Mighty Still Wind, Improvises. She's a redheaded. Have you seen a Mighty Wind? Lady. We just, no, we I just mean, saw her in in the. We just saw her in Killers. Yeah, you have seen her. She exists. We've we've all experienced her presence. Maybe maybe she's just in other movies that I've seen. Maybe I'm just not watching the right movies. Did watch the movie with her in it just now. Home Alone. Mm, Home of what? Okay, so no homo. There, (laughs) second time. (laughs) They're uh, yeah, they're uh, they're all going on a vacation together. Okay. 
um, uh, Catherine Heigl is, is, is getting over a breakup, and I guess that's why her parents are taking her to Nice. I guess that's what's happening, even though she is a... Oftentimes, it's an American ritual when someone breaks up, their parents take them on an expensive vacation to Europe. Right. For all our international listeners, yeah. to explain that to them. He um, had, the father had some business there. Right. And uh, Catherine Heigl is astounded when she comes face-to-face with a nearly nude Ashton Kutcher in the uh, elevator. And by nearly nude, of the hotel. Yeah, he was wearing a, a bathing suit. That's not the first time we're introduced to him. Really? Is it? I don't, I don't know. Don't I, we see him we're... plant the bomb before then? All right. We see uh, him, spoiler alert. We see him planting a bomb. A bomb is planted. Yeah, it's all spoilers. Nobody's going to watch but this. But Catherine Heigl, uh, <laughs> you know, you can see... You can see her panties moistening visibly as she not literally. There's the not event. actually a close up of, no. of cloth dampening. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> this a, yeah. an R-rated film. Not uh, not not, not even program. Well, I mean, you could show that in an R-rated film. <laughs> you just can't show like lips, right? <laughs> I don't know. Let's well, you have to show a. lips and then have sort of a moisture meter go up the screen, like okay. you can't really see like it. in a video, like you can't Scott really Pilgrim in the deleted yeah. scenes. Sure. All movies will be like this in the future. <laughs> but, sure. uh, she falls for him immediately, and uh, the two of them... Was this movie supposed to be in 3D? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, because I thought maybe it was supposed to be in 3D and I was missing something. The two of them fall in love. Stuart, take it from here. Okay, so they fall in love. Uh, Martin Mull shows up, and I'm like, why isn't he being funny? <laughs> yeah. And you guys are like, I don't think he's in a comedy. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> Martin Mull's hanging out with Ashton Kutcher, and he's like, yo, you got to keep killing these people. And Ashton Kutcher's like, I don't know. I don't know if I was supposed to kill that last guy. I'm out of here. I love Catherine Heigl. And Martin Mull's like, oh, you'll regret this, dude. And then uh, Martin Mull, wait. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Put on the brakes. Slow your roll. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, the movie fast is... Fast forward movie, like a million years. Well, the movie, um, they're well, married he, again. He, he asks. He asks for her hand in marriage. I don't even remember that. discs. Oh, they're doing discus? <laughs> they're shooting discus. No, not discus. <laughs> they're not having a great Greco-Roman challenge. They're... Uh, Shooting skeet. Skeet yeah, shooting, okay. Clay pigeons. Doesn't matter. I lost it. Anyway. What, what else happened? There's an explosion, right? Mm. We, we, in her heart? Like, no, no, no. Ashton love? Kutcher does, uh, does actually murder a helicopter pilot. Yeah. Well, it's not That's how you know that he is a killer. That's, that's how you know he's our hero. He's our hero because he's a killer of people Innocent of uh, darker people. skin <laughs> who happen to be uh, employed by the helicopter company. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... They're in love. He asks, uh, I guess, to marry her. Tom Selleck, her dad, is like, oh, okay. kind, of, kind of tough. You know, he's kind of a uh, There's kind of something stern. there. There's something going on between them, but we're yeah, not sure it's, yet. It's that, that sly mustache smile of his. <laughs> a lot of dimples on that guy. Yeah. Is it uh, sexual tension? Are they Probably. Is it anger? Probably. They're both hunks. Sure. They're burning Some up the screen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tom Selleck's still pretty hungry. Women like, still think Tom guy. Selleck is cruel, is uh, hot, even though he's a like an octogenarian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so really then, they, then they do a fast forward, right? They do three, three years, years later. Three years like later, like the Bratz movie. Three time jump. <laughs> there, and we're living in suburbia. Mm-hmm. Ashen Kutcher is now arcade fires, singing about it. Apparently, that's a, right. That's right. Mm, don't get that reference. <laughs> he, I don't um, know who the arcade fire is. Ashton music. Kutcher is now a architect or maybe a construction. He got manager. his architecture license. Yeah, he, I guess he, he has some sort of job doing buildings. In he a used gym. that three years wisely. 
That's yeah, right. And architecture masters would fit right into that. That's period. true. Uh, we would know that, wouldn't sure. we? <laughs> he, he immediately started the program when he uh-huh. got back from Nice, and. Uh, <laughs> And now he's a successful Ken architect. and Heigl's kind of irritating, and they plan a birthday party or something. Mm-hmm. I, I lost it again. What, what happened? Ashton Kutcher. Oh, this was the part where we had to... school, but he has, some, he has a run-in with the dean. I'm sorry. This is a movie. <laughs> no, it's a, no, a different film. Because no, uh, this is where we had to stop the movie, and you had to explain it to me again. Right? <laughs> yeah, we had to stop the movie three times to discuss what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in the film... Uh, Ashton Kutcher um, is having th- having this birthday party. Rob Riggle of That's TV's right. The Daily Show falls the asleep upright on the couch. Citizen Brigade. He's a he's a he's a friend of Ashton's from the uh, the architecture firm. Um, he's very crass. It's nice that Elliot's not here to hear us say anything about his Daily Show colleagues or his former Daily Show colleagues. Although Rob Riggle, uh, perfectly funny with the material. That he's sure given. he was not sure. terrible in the movie. Um, but, maybe type, uh, maybe and the, type and cast. the action scenes. It turns out that Rob Riggle is a assassin there to kill Ashton Kutcher, not a friend at but all. But it takes a, you it got, takes a you shocking amount of time. Five minutes yeah. forward. In the movie <laughs> no, this from is what happens. Like, he, he, he falls asleep on the couch at the uh, at his party at and the party. The but morning. in between, but before that, we find out that he that he gets contacted by his former boss. It's a lot of subtle interaction that you're okay. missing out on. Yeah, like Kath and Heigl worrying about their relationship and kind of being a bitch about it. Yeah, mm. there's a lot of that going on. Then he gets the package in the mail. She's always snacking. <laughs> All right, I'm just trying to get the I'm just trying to get the fucking basics of the plot out of the way, guys. Okay, yeah. So no, Elliot would have d- okay. done it three times. So right now. it turns yeah. out that Rob Riggle is trying to kill him because there's a big bounty on his head. Twenty million dollars. They drive around and shoot each other. Rob Riggle dies. Then uh, he doesn't just he doesn't just die. It's his car all- gets flipped over onto some rebar. Okay. And it all goes through the car, spearing him. Nice. It was serious. You were out of the room. It was very exciting. Spearing assassin seems to be a, a theme. In sure. The um, later on, they go to like his office or something, and his secretary turns out to also be an assassin. <laughs> they battle for a little while. She then gets speared by a bunch of deer antlers. Yeah, but that's jumping ahead. Meanwhile, because of the Rob Riggle uh, fight, Catherine Heigl has learned that her husband is an assassin. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's like, but, you know, I walked away from it because I love you and I'm not an assassin. We're forgetting anymore. that. Got to go back to his boss. His boss is, contacts him. Mm-hmm. His former boss constantly tells Martin him to meet Mull. him. Martin Mull tells him to meet not him at a, a hotel. And they go to the hotel and he's dead. And they take his computer. Mm-hmm. Or they're looking at Rob Riggle's computer. This is where I was confused. They look at Rob Riggle's computer. They're looking and they at the, computer. He has the pictures. There's the, the next person who's supposed to get hit is... Catherine Heigl's dad, or he's in the pictures, right? He's in the pictures, he's right? Involved. right. He's see, this is this is what you're, this movie's you're, not making. You're just confusing the issue. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. So there were multiple attempts on his life. There are multiple attempts on his life. It caused some relationship stress. Uh-huh. That's true. She's and, uh, she just has had the curtain lifted. She had no idea. She's still coming to grips town, with it. The whole town is trying to kill them all of a sudden. It turns because out, there's a twenty million dollar bounty on their head, as we have established. And then at the end, holy shit, what happens? Tom Selleck <laughs> you look like has you been really involved. Don't remember. <laughs> Wait, what? Tom Selleck has been involved from the very beginning. What are you talking about? Well, it turns out that uh, Ashton Kutcher had been hired by corrupt Martin Mull to kill Tom Selleck and Nice. So he's not a bad guy. 
Uh, he might be. Ashton Kutcher's not a bad guy? No, I mean, I'm assuming he's not. He's our hero. Tom Selleck apparently worked for the U.S. government, and Ashton Kutcher thought he was working for the U.S. government, but at that point, Martin Maul had gone corrupt. So it was Broken lucky. Arrow. That's right. It's yeah. called Broken Arrow, guys. It was lucky that Ashton Kutcher walked away when he did because of love. And so Tom Selleck is still alive now, but because he Tom Selleck knew that Ashton Kutcher was... Um, an assassin who had been sent to kill him. What does he do? Um, he still allows Ashton Kutcher to marry his daughter. Well, he's... I mean, he's Especially to, when he finds out that that she's going to have a baby. Yeah, yeah. he's going to give her strong children. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's got a thirst So he passed, he passed yeah. the, the genetics test. Yeah, but he, yeah. he, he lets him marry uh, his daughter, but he, he does go to the precaution... Of planting several sleeper agents in the town, about a who, dozen who might be willing to then, when the, when the final bounty is announced, kill their friend that they've. Yeah. Did they get paid for that? Well, he didn't get killed. But why would they get? Wait, the killer. No one killed him. Yeah, but what, he, you no, mean but they were on the? Yeah, you mean they cash on delivery? No, I'm wondering the about body. the the sleeper agents. Were they? Uh, Did they, they have like, jobs? Oh, you're were saying they being they paid, paid by uh, by Tom Selleck over the years? The yeah, three years. That's a good question. What's the economics of this story? <laughs> well, look, he's like, there's going to be a big bounty. You guys have to relocate to this area because this is a three-year three hit. <laughs> he's going to architecture school, so you also have to go get your architecture's degree. That's an architect. Wait, is it a degree or a- Let me just finish. Okay. It's a printout. So, Tom Selleck. You go to secretary school. Tom Selleck <laughs> triggered these people. He sees the note because from Martin Mull and sees and, and thinks that now Ashton Kutcher is back in the game. Yeah. So, so he gives the green did, light to kill him. It didn't really bother him sure. the attempted murder before. But uh, now that... Fair is fair. You know, fool me once. Yeah. But Martin Mull, <laughs> once he thinks Martin Mull is back in the game with Ashton Kutcher, uh, you know, he's like, you know, he released the hounds. And everyone in town <laughs> is yep. trying to kill. Wipe them out all. Let them. loose the unlikely murderers. But then at the end of the like story, Alex Catherine Heigl uh, announces that she's pregnant, which uh, makes Tom Selleck sit back and, and take a moment and be like, oh, which maybe explains this all, her incessant snacking. Yeah. Maybe this all was just <laughs> a mistake. And Tom Selleck and Ash Kutcher. And mistake. And uh, Catherine Heigl and Catherine O'Hara. Uh, live together happily ever after, even though um, the father-in-law and the son tried to kill each other. So Okay, so it's weird. But then there's a time dash and there's a baby. And there's a lot of people dead at the end of the movie. That's right. At the very end of the movie, the final scene. A whole town full of people. <laughs> yeah, basically. And no they don't have law to enforcement that. repercussions. Sure. Well, there's another time dash where now we're at least nine months later and the baby is now a real baby. It's not just yeah. a zygote, which... Could be aborted and wouldn't be a person, and we wouldn't have to have an argument about abortion. <laughs> okay, interesting. <laughs> but anyway, so the baby is real, and that you see him, they look like they're working on a bomb, but it's really part of an elaborate laser defense system for the for the baby's room. Yep. Right. Because he is a spy after all, and this is the first time we see any spy gadgetry. Yeah, at the very the, the last minute of the film. That's right. Where you see that he really is a spy. So <laughs> he's yeah. only furrier. So here's my yeah. problem. What was that nipple joke? Oh, the the Bavarian forest chest hair gag. Uh, no, it was it, it was, was Catherine O'Hara. Line, O'Hara is is pretty li- okay. So we're talking about a comedy, okay? Right. So how does it work on on that level, Dan? 
Well, I think that what you're going to say is uh, that uh, Catherine O'Hara is funny. She's playing as, uh, like an alcoholic mom who no, no one quite notices is alcoholic, but she's clearly drunk in every scene. I'm assuming uh, if I've seen her in other movies, she's probably plays a similar character no, or no, could. she has a good range. Okay, good range. Okay. Uh, Tom Selleck is charming as he always is. That's sure. He's just a very likable guy. I was thinking in the movie, hey, you know what would be good? Why don't we make a movie about Catherine O'Hara and Tom Selleck as uh, a spy family? Forget about these fucking youngsters. Sure, uh, sure. Because Kutcher and Heigl... Well, they have chemistry that just comes right off the screen and burns your face. Yep. (laughs) And And you're like, ow, my face. (laughs) Why did I run kill it? It's a chemical burn. (laughs) You got to get baking soda. Yep, yep, yep. You can't can't do a water because that will just spread it around. Your whole body will start burning. It's terrible. So burns. <laughs> so they Thank you for tuning into Burncast. So burn notice. <laughs> First feelings? rule of being a spy is kill your father-in-law. If you're gonna kill your father-in-law, you gotta have some masking tape. That's, that's pretty. pretty wow, that's pretty specific. Gotta, yeah, that's pretty good. You go up and then you go back down. Oh, it's the Michael Weston. It's called in the biz. Sure. So. um what was I going to say about this? Oh, you, we were saying that originally we were sort of complimenting the movie at, at one point because it it does have the spirit of we were giving a with 60s spy well, sort of comedy romp, maybe like charade the or first, like, like – Yeah, the first like 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, OK, this isn't good, but I could see myself kind of enjoying this. I mean they're in Nice, so it's got like the foreign – uh, oh, feel right. like they they do like you. They introduce Catherine O'Hara and Tom Selleck. I'm like, oh, this is nice. I like these actors. They have a like Doctor No inspired pop art credit sequence and uh, driving along. It's all zippy, and then they leave France roads. and they never come back. But that's what France I was going to say. That and, after the three year time dash, after they've yeah. gotten married, there's the whole thing of uh, she's like, I got us tickets to go on a cruise to Nice, and he's like, oh, I can't go back. Oh yeah, and up until then, there's until there's never any explanation of why he can't go back. Just like because uh, I maybe it could be because he blew up a helicopter there. <laughs> maybe <laughs> sure. he's people, wanted by when the you authorities. Do that, the yeah. family of the helicopter pilot is still le- looking <laughs> sure. for him. He's called <laughs> Monsieur le Helicopter Explodo in France, and there's uh, a yeah. wanted. They don't have that. words for, the, well, for that. Well, French. <laughs> French French children are, are put to sleep by horror stories told by their nanas about. A horrible man who the climbs onto American your yacht and blows up your helicopter. sales went down tremendously in sure. the <laughs> Nice tourism plummeted. Sure. Yeah. You don't want to go there and get your helicopter exploded. No. So um, let's talk about the chemistry between our two leads, Dan. What do you think about uh, what do you think about <laughs> Catherine Heigl? A lot uh, of the comedy, uh, a lot of the comedy rests on her shoulders, which are more than ample to the task. Don't you believe? I feel like uh, Catherine Heigl has made a career of playing brittle and shrill in a series of films. She is unlikable yeah, all the time in this movie. She's I have not, to say I liked her funny. hair, which sounds odd. But uh, I did – I like – I mean was her hair funny in any way? Or? No, I just appreciated it on her, on, her, on her head. It complimented her appearance. I mean I'll go so far as to say I disliked her less than in the other Flophouse movies we've seen her in in this movie. It's like very kind uh, of you. Her period of riddle shrillness was shorter in this film. It was mainly when she was upset about him being a spy. 
Uh, or sure, which is like yeah. 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> sure. But still, not all of it. Yeah. So that's 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 a plus. Ashen Kutcher. Um, is he a believable action star? Uh, he's got tremendous abs. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically. I was just trying to. I was trying to get you to say it first. Sure. I mean, I didn't want to. You know, I didn't want people. You to a sound weird. file of me saying he's got <laughs> tremendous abs. Well, he does have tremendous abs. The guy. Uh, he works on his uh, solo flex. Mm-hmm. It's a flex that you can do alone. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you can buy it off the internet. Oh man. <laughs> um, yeah, but it would. You know, he's fine whenever he's supposed to be. Just like doing like comic, like not actually delivering jokes, but just being like, "Oh, I'm the charming guy." But anytime he has to show any sort of emotion, right? Well, there's also the like part. the it's the comedy, but there's that serious scene in the in the cemetery where he's like, "I'm getting out." Mm-hmm. Where just any he just falls apart whenever yeah. he tries to get serious. And one of the, one of the things I think you pointed out was how. The opening of the movie, they kind of, you know, they show Catherine Heigl and Ashton Kutcher getting together. But they don't, I mean, they don't really have that much chemistry. There's not that much spark. And then they have to, like, so they show that sequence. And then they jump forward three years and they don't really show you their married life that much. We have no idea who they're supposed to be as a couple. So the big shakeup in their life doesn't. There's nothing to play off of there. And most of their married life consists of them referencing their meeting in the beginning of the movie. And yeah. and and her relationship with her parents. We know nothing about his family in any way. Mm-hmm. But he probably was chosen to be a killer because he has no family and no ties. So that if sure. he's found... We, we he do would- <laughs> know that Catherine Heigl is friends with Casey Wilson, mm. uh, co-writer of Bride Wars... So, Former SNL cast member. Yeah. So there's that. Former, huh? Yeah. Um, the whims and ways of... Uh, Lorne Michaels. Lorne Michaels. Okay, well, Broad Wars was not that good of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I don't two Lorne, strikes. I don't think Lorne Michaels got rid of her because of that. I think that... Oh, okay. Happened beforehand. Okay, so... Yeah, we don't really know that much about him, so the shakeup doesn't really matter. Um... I mean, it's impossible not to compare this movie to other, like, spies, dis- like, disguised spies as suburban couples. Mm-hmm. Like, I think someone mentioned uh, Hot Fuzz, where, like, suddenly everyone's an assassin. Yep. Uh, true, uh, true Lies. True Lies. It's, it had moments of True Lies. We were- uh, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, so, I mean, there's... <laughs> but like Classic. This, Sure, X versus Sever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that movies Mr. where women and men are shooting each other. I'm not going to say Mr. and Mrs. Smith is a good movie, but the same, it's the same fucking thing. It's like a globetrotting assassin is disguised as a suburban housewife no, a, or something. Well, it's a much better movie than this movie is. That's that's true, but that's once again all because of the chemistry. Uh-huh. It was also directed, as you said, you said it was directed very flatly. There's nothing ever visually exciting happening, even except for her hair. The scene with yeah, well. I mean, it's a, that's the that's not the director. That's the stylist. It's a spy movie. It cries out for like uh, crazy. Style. There's only one real fight scene, right? With Rob Riggle. Yeah. Which uh, there's a uh, brief fight scene was where okay. Ashton Kutcher and gets then it went a on too long. with a young uh, a, a petite woman. That's true. That which whole, ends that with was, her being stabbed by antlers. <laughs> that's right. That was why were the antlers up? 
Uh, they mentioned it earlier as being silly or Robert ugly. Riegel, uh, that was his decorating choice. Mm. No. Make the place look like it's too bad he wasn't killed by that. That would be poetic justice. Yep, hoisted, hoisted some, by his own petard. Instead of some random shit. I would have liked to hear the detail that he had actually killed all the deer to make that yeah. antler chandelier. Because it was at least 50 antlers. Well, speaking of uh, the fact that everyone turned into a assassin in the movie. Now... We were taught like at least fifty percent were women. Eventually, this made sense, but we were talking sort of. It, okay, it eventually this didn't make sense in a different way. Okay, <laughs> okay. Originally, this idea didn't make sense because we were all like, okay, so these people have been living with them for three years in in their lives, like playing these parts in, in case in case there's <laughs> going to be a bounty on them. And then all of a sudden, when there is a bounty on them, they all come up to them and make their presence known and act like they normally do, uh-huh. only a little more sinister. Yeah. And then, like, they, hey, you want to sign for this delivery? Yeah, uh, like chief? the mailman menacingly throws a delivery the, of bullets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of just come over to the other side of the van where I can shoot you better. Right. Yep. Instead of just easily walking up to them because they're all friends and quickly putting a bullet in their brain. Hey, guy, you want a pizza pie? My nope, b- it's a circular saw blade. <laughs> Hey, I wasn't expecting a pizza pie. Sure. Or shooting them from cover. They could just, you know, they live in a town with lots sure. of high buildings. You could be like, hey, what's up? Boom. Yeah. Poison. Yeah. I'm going to go out weapon. in the street and prove that this is possible So right none of that made any sense um, until it's revealed at the end that there were sleeper agents, uh, oh, Tom yeah. Selleck's sleeper agents. But then this doesn't make sense in another way. Which we've already pointed out, like, have they been getting paid this whole time? Like, why they might have been sleeping Seller, the whole time. Why did Tom Selleck just be like, oh, uh, I'm going to have assassins hang out around you rather than and not let you marry How my did daughter. they get past, like, you know, the interviews for the neighborhood? Like, right. getting their, their realtors and stuff community. like that? It's a really insanely detailed plot for Tom Selleck to have crafted yeah, well, in Nice our, when he's on vacation. Our, were half of these houses uh, lying fallow, like people not living in these houses? So just yeah, so, like assassins a, were ready to move in. It's a in dead end time. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, these are all questions. That and are the not assassins established. kind of reinvigorated this community. Now that right, they're all so, dead, like what's going to happen? Like, the assassins yeah, like, have a vibrant the convenience tradition. store is going to have to sure. close. <laughs> half the town's architecture firm is dead. Yeah. Uh, all the guns and bullet stores are going to go <laughs> yeah. out of business. Yeah. Who is using all these guns and bullets? I mean, I'm not complaining. I yeah. mean, it's, we're, we're doing better than we ever did. Our second Jack sales boom has yeah. uh, been fueled entirely the, by guns and In the downturn, ammo. everyone buys ammo. But just yeah. that's a matter of fact. Tea party ears. Yeah. This is buying all the ammo. Topical. Anyway. <laughs> thanks, thanks for dating this podcast, dork. <laughs> so, but ultimately, we discover, as we alluded to before... Um, that we have been meant to care for this entire movie about a fight between two people who are supposed to both be our heroes, like oh, Tom right, Selleck right, and right, Ashton right. Kutcher. Like, the, the, their rivalry or whatever has been going on is, like, at the heart of everything that's happened in this film, basically. Uh, and they're both good guys, and uh, they're both uh, members of the same family, so... Tom Selleck shouldn't be trying to kill Ashton Kutcher. And and at the end, a bunch of people got killed because of this feud. They and used that's in, the movie that we saw. Yeah. They just love their family. If I learn one thing family, from reality TV show yeah. interviews with people, they just love their family. family man. That's what important. matters. Mm-hmm. Family. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. 
And our Lord. <laughs> yeah, as well. and children are our future. Um, like and, like their 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 child's their child spy, kid spy, children of the lesser god, killers too. God, can you hear me? It's Margaret. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I was going to say that when it's revealed that uh, they're sleeper agents by Tom Selleck, the whole scene of him being like Tom Selleck somehow, in, in, for no reason, recognizes Ashton Kutcher in the flashback as the assassin. That's why he didn't get on the helicopter. Yeah, they showed us the flashback from earlier in the movie. He was just like, but how? Why did he know that Aston Kutcher was an assassin? Just because he knows. He's got a Rolodex. Every time I see a very gay-looking dude come in a hotel, I know not to get in a helicopter. I mean, he was in France. (laughs) Come on. Oh, he was playing. I thought he was playing Faye. Oh, okay. (laughs) He did talk with a weird accent early on. The weird thing is that after they've kind of come to this understanding... Uh, Tom Selleck then just points his gun and shoots one of the uh, his sleeper assassins. That's right. He shoots. Like, why didn't he just the say, "Hey, wait a minute"? TV or the voice of uh, yeah, Alex Borstein. It's like, hey, wait, wait. Yeah. Bounty, bounty's off. Nope, he had he had. He could, yeah, kill he her. Yeah, it's easier than paying her. Sorry you know. for the trouble. I'll you know, like here's a couple thousand for your pains. You know, maybe. sorry I killed your fake husband. Here. I don't know if you guys really had to do it since you were just yeah. working for me, but. I don't know how, I love, how, I, how deep your cover was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real deep. Yeah. I'm giving you the serious face. <laughs> so, Stuart, do you not know whether you're a criminal or a cop anymore? I don't. The you're too blurred. deep. Yeah. Um, the that's thing about you know. the that's thing about hunting know. monsters, dudes, is that sometimes when you hunt monsters, you have to become one. Holy shit! You find them. I don't know what In, that means. Inside yourself. That's right. Yep. The monster in the mirror. Monster's ball. <laughs> yep. The monster at the end of this book. <laughs> the notebook. There's a monster at the end of the guys. notebook? I, learning things I heard that the monster in the notebook is that it uh, makes couples break up. Alzheimer's <laughs> is the monster at the end of the oh, notebook. No. <laughs> yeah, when people realize that your, uh, your potential mate may get a brain-wasting disease. Okay, it's kind of a boner buster. That is, that is a boner buster. <laughs> so, um... I'm recording this in a different way than usual, so I have no What's idea up? how many minutes we've gone. So okay, let's wrap this by measures. Let's wrap it up. We're doing it by measures right now. <laughs> it's in song. I'm trying something else so I can. Well, you don't need the technical stuff. Are you doing auto tune to this one? Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, guys, uh, was this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you actually liked in some way, Stuart? Uh, I'd kind of hoped that it would have been a movie I would have uh, kind of liked, but it was a bad bad movie. Um, there, yeah, there, it was, uh, there just wasn't enough, it, there, uh, the comedy really wasn't there. There were a couple, I did get a couple of laughs out of it, but it, most of it was just relatively boring. It was very flat. Yeah. I, I feel, yeah, that's a, I feel like there were a couple of flourishes in it. That's, it, it was trying to aim higher than like, you know, like I said, like the bounty hunter or something like along those lines. It was, it was trying to aim higher than just being like a generic high concept romantic, romantic comedy. It was clearly like drawing on older, like zippy, like spy comedies. But ultimately, as soon as, especially as soon as it was revealed that uh, Tom Selleck was behind it all and they had just been shooting at each other, like in laws have been shooting at each other the entire movie, I got angry. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, like I said, um, you, know, you could see the, that what they were trying to do. And I was kind of like, oh, this, I wanted it to be so much better. And I think. I'm giving Ashton Kutcher a lot of credit, but I feel like he could do it, but he just something he just can't. Yeah, that is that. If that makes sense, but you know, I was going to say, but it had moments where I 
hoot and hollered out loud, you know, spontaneously with like because when the you are a hillbilly. That's right. Well, <laughs> you know, well, just because I was trying to get your attention because I had dropped my washboard song that I was playing. Yeah. No, the. Uh, uh, well, the, you know, the the impaling of Rob Riggle and the upside down car, and then the uh, the sort of impaling. The, no, the 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 the, the uh, what did I call her? The Italian prostitute woman in the red car when right, she's sure. exploded with from behind. Who with is giant neither Italian nor a prostitute in the movie? By the way, yeah. I just call women like that Italian prostitutes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> just clarifying. Well, I I think that we can all agree that it was a bad bad movie. But uh, better than many of the bad, bad movies we've seen. Uh, it was so slow and nonsensical, I though. I nothing, Dan McCoy. Yeah, I don't I, – okay. it was terrible. But um, – I mean, I wanted it to be better, but my, my hopes and dreams mean nothing to this. Yeah, that's fine. So, um, uh, Lou, I, th- I thought that um, instead of uh, reading some, some mail, <laughs> okay, I would like to learn a little bit about something that you did recently. Which was to see the Spider-Man musical. Oh. This is becoming I, the Broadway flop house for a moment. Yeah. This is um, my – a little backstory. <laughs> my, my cousin was coming in from Ecuador and uh, she wanted to do something special for her husband because they were going to be here over the holidays. So she told me like, do you want me to get tickets? I can get us four tickets um, to, to Spider-Man while they're here. So it was me, uh, Christopher, and my cousin Dan also bought tickets and um, – my seven-year-old son and his five-year-old son. So we were there with Wait, family. Your seven-year-old son has a five-year-old son? Yeah, his five-year-old son, <laughs> wow. Romano. Sure. And you wanted um, to show them what it looks like with no, human his, guys Chris on stage. Is, Chris's seven-year-old son. <laughs> okay. um, and uh, so we went and saw it. And it was the worst experience of my entire life. It was unbelievably Terrible theater experience. I'll say that. Okay. Thanks for clarifying. I've had people die in my life and that was sort of worse personally (laughs) on a personal level. But as a theater – on a theater level, this was – it was absurd. Now, you like comic books. Sure. How would you feel if you found out that uh, Uncle Ben was – run over by a car instead of shot by a murderer. <laughs> Already, that's a little weird. Um, yeah, I heard that, uh, and I was immediately like, well, there goes Spider-Man's motivation Yeah, he, everything. Someone sure. says, someone stop that car! And he's like, counting money in the car, hits Uncle Ben, which who is uh, off-screen, off-stage, or like, and then he's dead, and he doesn't say... Anything? Why With were you? With great power comes great responsibility. That dude. is not, that is said in a song. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that is not actually said to Spider-Man at any point in the movie. But here's the where it gets weird: is the beginning of the movie. There's the story is told. There's exposition by four teenagers who are telling the story of what would be the best Spider-Man story ever, and they for some reason. And then this, then Spider-Man then oh yeah, that sorry. never happens. So then the girl says, the girl in the group goes, there was another person who had oops. There was another person who had spider powers, not just Spider-Man. It was a girl in ancient Greece. And her name was Arachne. And then they tell the story, the Greek myth of Arachne who has who loses a battle with uh, Athena or Hera or whatever and um and commits suicide or she wins but she boasts and so uh the god curses her and this whatever, is a, whatever. This is a Greek uh, mythology. Anyway, so yeah, she hangs herself. Like shit, no, but right? it's important because she, she hangs herself and then she is cursed to be the spiders and she does, she weaves people's fates. Anyway, so that's important because later 
<laughs> so anyway, the Green Goblin is created. The Green Goblin is not a man who gets turned into a super smart and strong person who's crazy, but actually ge- genetically mutated into a lizard man with wings who flies around. <laughs> like a goblin. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Or like a lizard. And he uh, throws genetically mutated pumpkin bombs. All this happens off stage, and you never see any of that in real life. You do the, – the flying stuff is cool because it's, it's pretty impressive that they can land a dude in the aisles of the – theater right and he's doing but like half the time he was like here i go and then he'd be like supposed to grab one of the ropes that is holding him to be like his spider web he's never actually shooting spider webs <laughs> and but he would miss it and be kind of like whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then, not like the last guy <laughs> so um the the music is terrible the songs are retarded um the Mary Jane thing is like hardly explained his problems at as Peter Parker's problems are hardly explained um, there's no orchestra. It's all canned music except for two dudes playing guitars on the side of the stage. Awesome. That you wow. can see. They're like standing stage level with a rack of guitars. And um, Spider-Man and the Green Goblin have a battle. And in the end, Sp- he tries to recruit Spider-Man to help him because they're both freaks. And uh, Spider-Man rejects him and they have a battle and Spider-Man kills the Green Goblin. Green Goblin falls to his death and dies because he's a bug man. Right. <laughs> He's dead. And then Spider-Man's like, I mean, people who get close to me get hurt, so I'm going to quit being Spider-Man. And he throws away the costume. And sure. of scene one. Now, I forgot to mention that, uh, that um, Arachne gives Spider-Man the costume. Okay. From the ethereal, like from, the, the from the astral plane. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she gives it to him. She gives okay. Dormammu a high five, opens a, so a gate. Spider-Man rejects being Spider-Man, curtain Spider-Man down. Spider-Man no more, The people, say. The people come, people behind me go, I would say. Uh, is that it? Is it over? Should we go? Are people leaving? Is that it? You'd think they would tell us if that was it. That's that's that's, that's part of the script, right? They, they, they have, yeah. It was like people in the audience, audience were part points. of the play. Yeah. Audience <laughs> people were taking pictures. There's lots of like no pictures, no pictures. Like uh, usher screaming at everybody. They're able to get lucky and catch some snuff. So yeah, there's someone dying. So the screen, the curtain goes up for second scene. Spider Man is gone. No one knows where he is. Arachne is mad. So the teenagers are like trying to figure out how to tell the story without Spider-Man because they're back telling the story. And Arachne shows up and she's like, I'm taking over this story. And they're like, what? You can't do that. And she says, I just did. Get out of here. And then her and her like Furies, which are eight-legged women in uh, like thigh-high stockings with garters <laughs> on all eight legs kind of come out and do this like sexy like dance. Like a human centipede. <laughs> yeah. She says, like it's some, sc- some sort of human centipede over here. So then Arachne takes over the world to make weaves an illusion to bring Spider-Man out so that he can be Spider-Man again and then he can set her free from the astral plane. Okay. So then it makes no sense whatsoever. J. Jonah James's character is like a supreme asshole who's makes no sense. And she oh, forced, that's like the comic. Yes, yeah. but she makes him – she appears to him in a two-legged form to try to coerce him to make a, a – uh, editorial about Spider-Man and he doesn't want to. So then her eight-legged monster people come in and force him to do it. Then, Through dancing or like yeah, physically holding him down? They, they, they weave a, like a ribbon around him and he's like, just run the story to the uh, the black guy who's uh, the his help, the assistant editor of that. Uh, yeah. What is Frank name? something? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, um, so he... Hollywood now. Yeah. Hollywood yeah, now. Sorry, guys. So then he... So then... There's she revives all the um, bad guys and he has to fight them and he and he never actually fight anybody. He's a, there's like a giant screen and he's like punching at the TV, giant TV. <laughs> <laughs> so 
awesome. Uh, I feel like that sometimes when I watch these Flophouse movies, yeah, Dan. Yeah. I want to punch that screen. It was so bad. Get it? It was a very so expensive television. I'll just cut to the end. The, the Arachne goes to um, – eventually Spider-Man goes to try to save Mary Jane as she's falling off the bridge, which is where that guy fell off. In right. the previews and the, the famous video, um, they, now he doesn't actually continuing to conflate Mary the, Jane and Gwen Stacy. Now that now they uh, they don't even bother to have him pretend to die. If he like runs in slow motion to the edge and goes like this, and the screen goes black, <laughs> the, team, the stage goes black because he doesn't jump anymore because uh. of safety concerns. But anyway, he jumps and then he ends up in the astral plane. Sure. Now he's in the astral plane with this giant net, and it kind of he he kind of climbs all over it like a spider. And Mary Jane is in a cocoon behind them for some reason <laughs> and he's like you need to save mary jane become spider-man and peter parker says okay i'll become spider-man and, and then and then arachne's like oh peter parker You're i thought like we crazy. were i thought we were done with you and then so he's like she's gonna let him mary jane go for no reason <laughs> and then peter parker kisses arachne and she's like you set me free wow, and then she disappears a- and then she you see her reappear as Ancient Greece Arachne on her noose going up to heaven. What? <laughs> that sounds fucking awesome. Climax. It was like, wait, what? And then it's and then the veil of illusion is lifted. Peter Parker and Peter Parker is, has our uh, Spider Man has already killed Craven the Hunter. Sure. The Craven Electro. the Hunter killed himself with a gun. He did, but in this one, Spider Man has apparently vanquished these people to the point where they need to be revived by Arachne. Spider-Man is a murderer in this world. You know, yeah, that's well, it's like Spider-Man. So did the uh, – I'm I guessing the entire audience formed like a big line and marched all the way to Midtown of, Comics to a, buy handfuls of yeah. spectacular spider There was a lot of hurling of feces. It was like the ape house at the zoo. No, it was like the, the show was over and literally the curtain came down and people started streaming out. Were like, people like laughing or shouting or anything? No, I was laughing pretty hard because half the time I, I was going like, what the fuck is happening? Why is why is Arachne here? And uh, uh, yeah, so people were leaving, and then the curtain came up, and there was the you know the out of town rubes yeah. <laughs> were clapping. You yeah. know, in comics, people are always uh, going to the astral plane. Yeah, but I, but I've never. This been. was not called Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The play, like Doctor Strange and magic yeah. and shit, are always going there. I'm just, I'm, I've never gone. Is it nice? I don't know. We Look, go, it's guys. so great that Arachne really wanted out of there. Okay. So, so, so there's like bad guys like the, and shit there, dude. Sounds more like the Phantom Zone to me. Yeah, just, I mean, wait, that's DC. Okay. Sorry. That's DC. This is Don't Cry. Well, that sounds like you had a really, uh, you had a really awesome experience. Time. Now, here's the thing is that a seven and a five year old were highly entertained. Yeah. Okay. As were the, so that's the, the uh, rubes behind us. <laughs> Put that on the ad, Julie yeah. Taymor. I, if I had not been if I had not been into that so musical like Jar Jar Binks, right? for uh, $300, I would not have been there for like the first – after the first 10 minutes. Yeah. It, the music is terrible. There's all kinds of like weird YouTube references in the – in the musical, like in the scene where Spider-Man, before he becomes Spider-Man, is, is fighting Bone Crusher McGraw. Yep. He's like, that was actually the best part of the whole thing because they actually have a, a rink comes out with this giant inflatable man and the guy who plays Spider-Man beats up this like bozo doll inflatable man. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it was really great. And then uh, – and the graphic for that was great too. But um, – uh, they're playing U2 music or something? Oh, yeah. No, like the, the announcer is like, he's giving him a Sunday, bloody Sunday. Oh. And I was just like, why? <laughs> why did you have to throw that in? 
in case there are any, a little wink to the U2 fans in the audience, like you didn't know already. And then he said in a song that was very similar to uh, that early U2 song, Walk Away. Well, I don't know. But there was a song that was like very similar to that. It was Lazy. Bono's Lazy. All right. Well, let's uh, do some fast recommendations because I, uh, I don't know what time we're at again. Um, so uh, I'll go. Sure, do it. <laughs> I uh, Spider-Man the Musical, right? Yeah. I don't know what Lou was talking about. I was. I would say it's fun for someone uh, five to five hundred. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. I, I, I loved it. The Yoda in your life will enjoy it. <laughs> um. No, no. I uh, for Christmas. I got my brother. Um, best worst movie. I thought it was. I saw it on his wish list, and I thought it was my duty as a co-host of a bad movie podcast to be the person to give that to him. And then on uh, New Year's Eve, actually, I watched that DVD uh, with with him. And uh, that was your punishment for buying it for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to. I wanted oh, okay. to before I left. I, I was visiting. I wanted to see it. And uh, you know, it's just a really uh, enjoyable movie. It's it's uh, it's about you know if you don't know it already, it's about the making of Troll Two or not. Oh, is it really? It's making. a documentary. It's not about the making of Troll 2 so much as uh, the kid who was in Troll 2 grew up uh, to make a movie about Troll 2. Like, he, he talks about how he was try- he tried to run away from it for so many years, and then he thought he realized what a great opportunity that, that he was in. That's funny. Like, what is now kind of like the modern huh. default, like, worst movie, like that or The Room are, like, the ones that are gone to. And so uh, he goes and he vi- revisits people that... You know, we're in the movie with him. It's mainly about uh, the guy who played the father, who's like a dentist now. It's like a really jolly dentist. Right, character. right, right. And, uh, and how the dentist sort of like gets a second taste of fame in uh, now that he's in this uh, cult film. Uh, oh. And he goes to like, you know, like the UCB here in New York. Oh, you screening. know, I remember when they did that screen. Yeah. That's why I knew about it. And all these things. And like he's, you know... He's enjoying his cult success, but then kind of has to go through a second, like, not fall, but like, sure, sure. Realizing that the deflation should, of, of his, uh, he should spend his life as a dentist, probably. Mini fame. But there's also, like, scenes with the, uh, the Italian director of Troll 2 and his wife who wrote it under a pseudonym and then not realizing <laughs> that it's a terrible movie and that, like, it's renewed popularity in uh, America is because of it being a terrible movie. Yeah. And, uh, they don't get that? Yeah. They still think, like, this is now our chance to make Troll 3. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny movie. It's a very informative movie if you uh, ever, have ever seen Troll 2. And it's also a movie that, you know, actually has an emotional arc and uh, says something about sort of human nature. So Unlike Troll 2. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Stuart, do you have any... Uh, uh, yeah, I've watched a bunch of movies lately. But I think the movie that kind of takes the cake... Isn't some kind of stupid bullshit like what you'd recommend. <laughs> I'm recommending a little movie called Doll Man, starring Tim Thomerson as the Doll Man. A cop from outer space with a gun that blows people in half. That blows people's face. And the thing that's great off. about him, <laughs> the thing that's great is he's so small, so it's really hard for the New York City goons to shoot him back. 
Step on him? The lead, well, you'd think, but then he'd shoot him with his fucking giant gun. Now, on his planet, is he regular size? Yeah, he's regular size. So it's this tiny planet. Or maybe a regular size planet with just tiny people. It's the Earth's yellow sun that makes him small. So (laughs) there's a lot of hilarious scenes of them (laughs) trying to deal with the fact that the actor playing Doll Man isn't actually only like the size of a doll. Yeah. Uh, so there's actually not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of good perspective shots or anything, but, um, the bad guy, the lead goon is played by Jackie Earl Haley, who has just oh, recently, wow. uh, come into fame. Um, when there's all man from, it's from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it one of those like full moon productions? Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah. And, um, there's, there's just this really good bit at the end where, Jackie Earl Haley's been uh, had like his guts blown out by Dolman's <laughs> amazing gun, and Whoa. he's just got this like look of sadness on his face, like, "What have I done?" Uh, yeah, it's totally great. I highly recommend it. I did That's see Dolman. Really it's like seventy minutes now, long. If he shot it's on Netflix, screaming, I, uh, screaming, <laughs> screaming. I, did see I was screaming, Whoa. screaming back for more, please. <laughs> No, wait a minute. If he shoots someone from his home planet with that gun, would they just be they super explode? explode. Explode, yeah. They'd double explode. He blows the shit out of everybody. Because he's blowing up regular sized people with this giant gun. Yeah. With this tiny gun. He's like he's kind of like a dirty hairy type figure on his planet, but on our planet, <laughs> he's like a very small dirty hairy. He's trapped figure. in a world he never made, is what you're saying. But That's he, right. He's a fish out of water. Uh huh. And but and it's, like a, it's a culture class. He's been taken out of water and placed into old timey like. 80s New York where everything Old timey is- 80s New York 30 years Look back 30 years You know My where God, it was 30 years Where ago. You know back when New York was an urban hellscape Filled That's with true. goons I was living here then and, and, uh, and colored tank tops and, I, and punks with their dyed mohawks. That's right. Uh huh. And different and and gangs made up of all different ethnicities. <laughs> that's right. All the colors of the that's rainbow. That's right. This is that was New York was had so and many inclusive theory. gangs. <laughs> sure. So great movie, Dollman. Watch that theories? shit. Yeah. Dollman. Wow. Take it out of your take it out of Netflix. Put it in your Netflix watch instantly. Q. And put it in the pop, pop some red and bockers. Watch that shit. I don't think my wife will let me watch that movie. But um, I wait till she goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, watch some pornography and then watch Dollman. Or no, I think I think after Dollman, I watch pornography, pornography, then I will go to bed. Okay. <laughs> However you want to do it, it's your night. Sure. Watch Thank them both at the little. same time. That's what I say to myself every night after she goes to bed. It's your night now. Wow. <laughs> You're a big Troubles. boy. It's your time. Troubles this is your time, Lou. Do what you want to do. You're an adult. It's always pornography. Um, uh, I would like to recommend – I always have a hard time recommending things because I hate things. But um, I would like to recommend um, – I don't know if you guys – do you watch Rift Tracks at all? Sure. Uh, Rift Tracks and Cinematic Titanic, those are great things. I'm just going to say that. But I was going to say Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Have you watched that? No. Did we talk about that? A television program. Yeah, yeah it's a television program. I haven't watched that too many movies because all I get to do is watch Dora the Explorer and uh, Go Diego Go because I have children. I don't even know what those are. They're they like, are they like Bakugan? <laughs> they are like giant-eyed Mexican children who solve animal problems. <laughs> <laughs> not, if that not, was the title of the program, I would watch it. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah, that's yeah. what Go Diego. But Garth like. Marenghi's Dark Place is a six-episode BBC series that was about a. Um, uh, the premise is that the the guy who wrote it, Garth Marenghi, was a sci-fi writer. He's a really into himself sort of a, writer. Sort of Dean Koontz, sort and of yeah, and uh, and but also a Stephen Stephen King like mystery yeah. and sci-fi writer. And he um, he wrote a show in the eighties called. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place because the dark place is in his mind. 
Right. And uh, but it's about a crazy hospital where all this magic and science shit happens. And uh, he's like, you know, now the BBC is so terrible. They are unearthing my show, and it's like a documentary about the show. So they show it. They yeah. show the show, and then in the middle of it, there'll be interest. There'll be stuff uh, talking about what was happening. Then it's all t- done very seriously, but it is. Uh, Super hilarious, especially because they really managed to recreate the 80s special effects. So there's all kinds of right. uh, weird video happening and the magic is all super 80s effects. Awesome. There's a – oh, man. There's a great thing where someone is getting <laughs> anally raped by this giant eye alien. <laughs> they just cut, that sounds pretty good. They just cut – they show like this giant blurred out like dick going up this guy's like nightshirt and uh, – and then they cut to the Garth Marenghi. He's like, that actor was not pleased with his role. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it was just the perfect. Uh, yeah. It's just, and it stars Moss, who is uh, yeah, from like the IT crowd. And, um, from- and he also has a character who plays one of the wizards on the Mighty Boosh. Um, he, his character just plays like a friend of Garth Marenghi's who gets acting. In every episode, he has a scene where he shoots a shotgun like multiple times with a cigar in his mouth. It's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. Of course, I have no idea where you would get it if you don't steal things off the internet. So, yeah. So, Stuart, look on the internet. Stuart, I see you crushing your Coors Light. I think that means you know what that, that means the party's just the beginning. Party's, the party's just beginning, but the podcast <laughs> is just ending. So, uh, until next time, when maybe uh, maybe we'll all be back here. As much as I'm delighted, I doubt yeah, that don't, severely. Don't fucking build them up. Dude. You'll feel bad. <laughs> really? Oh, Dan, I thought it went great too. Man, I wow. I'm mean, Dan. What I'm are you sorry. doing? Oh man. Thanks, uh, guys. <laughs> is there like a secret handshake you guys are going to teach me? Uh, uh, you know, you haven't done enough of them to get the the handshake. Oh, there is a handshake. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Well, until then, though, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington, and for Elliot Kalin, I'm Lou Fernandez. <laughs> Yay! Man, you're mean, dude. (laughs) ATM, eh? Uh, it's like uh, it's like one of them human centipedes. Sure. You know what? What someone said to me was that uh, um, they saw that. Village people, you know, the one guy has, like, the puppets, and he dances with all the... Do you, yeah. know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. My brother saw that and was just like... He was like, is that the human centipede? Sure. <laughs> like, like, dancing mm, at the carnival? <laughs> no, the human centipede is something completely different. Right. Significantly sexier.